0: So that's me tucked in underneath a tree right next to the shore. Most of the days I look out the window, I can see a good variety of birds, from whitetail eagles to golden eagles to curlew, oyster catchers. That's because I live in a unique place. I live in the west coast of Scotland, and I've got the shore right in front of me, the sound of Mull, but I've also got the hills behind the house for the upland birds, such as the golden eagle. So at the moment I can see Curlew. That's the Curlew calling. (laughs) Every time I speak the Curlew keeps calling. Do you want to take part in my podcast? It's called Get Birding, it's about birds. (laughs) Really lovely to hear. Hello, I'm Hamza Yassin and welcome to Get Birding, sponsored by Swarovski Optic. This episode is all about the RSBB Big Garden Birdwatch, and believe it or not, I'm taking part for the very first time this year, and I'm super excited about it, and I've lined up some special guests to help you take part.
1: Can you see how long its tail is?
0: A long tail!
2: A
1: long tail tip, that's right.
2: long tail Now
1: listen... Because they almost never go by themselves. So there'll be another one. There's another one just above us, look.
0: That's Samuel West from All Creatures Great and Small, teaching his daughter about the birds in their garden. We're gonna hear more from them later. Nature lovers, comedian Susan Kalman and TV doctor Amir Khan will be giving us their top tips.
3: I think if you're going to really try and look after the birds in the garden, you do want to keep that feeder full so they know they can come back to it.
4: I do have a peanut feeder as well because the woodpecker, that's the only thing that 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 woodpecker will eat. Uh, And I've got niger seeds. Uh, Goldfinches love niger seeds. You're out in nature when you're looking at birds, when you're looking at any kind of green spaces, blood pressure drops and your heart rate drops and you feel really zen again.
0: And singer Sam Lee tells us why we should all spend an hour looking at birds this weekend.
5: Try and do a little bit of a detox so that when you go and listen to the birds in your garden, you're tuning into their radio station and you're not got like white noise on beforehand. So I think that's a first really important thing to recommend.
0: We'll also be hearing from singer Edwin Collins and his wife Grace. Who do we love watching
6: endlessly? Yeah. Who's a favorite?
7: The Fulmars.
6: The Fulmars. Oh. What do you see about them, Ed? There. The sign for flight. The
0: sign for flight. Brilliant. And we've been asking our listeners about the birds that they find in their neck of the woods.
2: Great spotted woodpecker, but we call him Woody Pea. Woody P. Chaffinch, wren,
8: jackdaws. Yeah, they're our most common visitors, aren't they? Mm.
0: The RSPB Big Garden Bird Watch Weekend is all about gathering information on the birds that live around us here in the UK. Over a million people took part last year, and I can't think of a better person to tell us about this than Chris Backham, BBC Winter Watch presenter and the vice president of the RSPB. Chris Backham, thank you so much for joining us at Get Birding.
9: That's a pleasure. If you can never get
0: birding, I'm happy to get birding.
9: <laughs> How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm pretty good actually. We're in the middle of recording Winter Watch. Um, it, we're in our second week. Had some brilliant jack snipe, uh, which was super and duper, along with some woodcock. Watching a tawny owl prospecting um, for prey pretty much every night, catching wood mice, but not catching Ray the rat, as we've entitled a character in the uh, on down <laughs> on the riverbank. So yeah, this yeah. week we've got some serious conversations to have about um trichomonas and bird flu and people cleaning their feeders all in the run-up to big garden Birdwatch at the weekend so hopefully they'll take that on board
0: amazing lovely now you mentioned the run-up to big garden bird watch weekend the rspb's uh, big event of the year what is it?
9: Yeah so Big Garden Birdwatch is one of the most important citizen science projects which runs I would argue anywhere in the world. Um, It's hugely popular we get masses of participants over a million people so this is a great way for people to engage with birds. Um, So you make yourself a cup of tea you get yourself a donut or whatever and then you sit down for an hour and you count the birds. You can fill it all in online and upload it and throughout the course of the year the RSPB will stick it through their computers and come out with you know, the facts that have been recorded. But outside the science, Hamza, I think the most important thing is that it gets people, families, individuals to focus on birds for an hour, you know, to to engage with the wildlife that they share their community with. And once you engage with it, then obviously there's a greater chance you'll develop a real affinity for it and want to look after it when it comes to the crunch.
0: Now, um, if this is the first time that someone's taking part in the Big Garden Bird Watch, What's next for them? What should they do next? You know, it's to get out into your patch, into your community. If you've done your
9: birdwatch in the garden, yeah. leave your garden, go down the street, find the p- local park, find the local green space or or even a local nature reserve that's within striking distance and, and get to know it. You know, find somewhere which you can learn to love because it will reward you with, you know, fantastic views and encounters with, with nature. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and 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 then you you know people they do i mean home is where the heart is i think for a lot of us and we love our own patches far more than we do far flung jungles that we see on tv yes so you know getting engaged at that community level is is really important and then lastly if you do develop a passion tell people about it tell yes. your neighbor about it yes. tell your kids about it tell Amen. you know your grandchildren about it get them involved bring them on board the more the merrier basically
0: awesome what three birds would people most likely see in the big garden bird watch this weekend and how would you identify them?
9: Well, I think that, you know, top, looking at the lists in recent years, house sparrow seems to be at the top. Yeah. Um, so house sparrow is still relatively numerous in some urban areas. Yeah. Um, males, charming little, uh, charming little birds. I mean, they're both, both males and females. They're sexually dimorphic. So they're, they're different. They look Ooh, different, could you um, <laughs> but they're, um, but they're, um, but they're, yes, yeah, small, small, brown, granivorous birds. Um, Pretty good. Great tits come in, you know, in the, in that list now. And Starling. Starling at this time of year have got resplendent, you know, sort of petrol-hued plumage, uh, very iridescent. Yes. Uh, quite garrulous and gregarious birds on the feeder. Yes. Great tits, obviously, with their white cheek patch and their yellow bellies um, are are very noticeable, olive olive sort of green back. Um, But as I say, all the ID is available online. You don't need to be intimidated. If you see a bird, you don't know what it is. I bet you within five minutes, you can find out and then put it down on your list.
0: I know so many people will be getting involved this weekend and there's going to be tons of data collected. So what I want to know is what the RSPB is going to do with all that information.
10: So my name is Miranda Kristovnikov. I'm president of the RSPB.
0: Now, the RSPB are doing this amazing thing that, believe it or not, I'll be taking part first time this year. Are you doing it? Oh,
10: brilliant. Great. I've been doing it for many, many years with my family. And it is absolutely magical because a lot of the time we sort of just look out of the window and go, oh, yeah, there's a blue tit or there's a wood pigeon or something like that. But very rarely do we actually stop and sit for an hour and you will be amazed what you see every year that we've done this. We've seen something different or something unusual because we're looking that little bit closer once you've counted all the blue tits and great tits and everything that are going backwards and forwards to your bird feeder you'll yeah, start yeah. to look in the bushes and the trees and the kids are like oh mum I think right. that's a, a is it is it really you know and how many magpies are you going to spot and how many this and how many that and it's just absolutely brilliant so it's not only is it a great sort of activity to do with your family or your friends or your partner or whatever yeah. it actually just it, there's a there's a deeper engagement with okay. the wildlife that will come through from that special hour and yeah. it's quite addictive as well it's like when the hour's up everybody's like oh oh can't we carry on <laughs> it's like no, yeah it goes up we've got to submit your results
0: now how long has the big garden bird watch been taking place
10: so over four decades it started in 1979 and the reason it's such a big thing is that that data is incredibly valuable you know when we're trying to do surveys or we're trying to monitor different species um you need data you need information and if you've got information that goes back that long you get a really long-term view of what's happened in our gardens and in our you know in 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 the uk about yeah. different bird species so we can chart the sort of the rise and the fall the success and the failure of so many different bird species and engage a lot of people so um it's incredibly useful information for scientists if we're seeing numbers plummet so it's a way of engaging people but also to get a huge amount of information which is really really valuable last year we had over a million people taking part and i don't think that was just because nobody had anything to do on it on a wet january weekend yeah Um, i mean you could put it down to covid or whatever but i think i mean obviously as a result of covid and lockdown and everything i think people are that much more engaged and sort of invested in the wildlife around them you know many more of us have sort of taken walks locally because that's all we've been able to do yes Um, and i think we're all appreciating the wildlife and the nature that's around us particularly in our our gardens you know like sales of bird seed have absolutely rocketed during long time because we all need a bit of entertainment outside our back door and it's so easy just to put a bird feeder up and just watch the birds in your garden absolutely so so many more people are invested in this and so when we hit the million mark last year you know we're all incredibly excited that actually that many people are interested in watching birds in their garden I mean that's great isn't it and it's, it's a it's such an accessible thing you don't need any specialist equipment at all okay. you don't need a pair of binoculars you can le- literally just look through your kitchen window and we'll just go and sit in your park and watch the birds and count them it doesn't matter if you don't see anything because that yeah. sort of information is quite valuable or if you see one blackbird in your garden that is valuable data it's okay valuable if you see 100 blackbirds, for example. So, so it's not
0: shameful having one bird in your not
10: garden? Not at all. Not at all. Like, it all. It's all really valuable, really, really useful data. Can the public who are taking part in this
0: Big Garden Birdwatch see their own data online?
10: Your data will be fed into the, you know, the big bird watch sort of system and then i think yeah. the results maybe in a couple of weeks time so okay. um, there'll be like a countdown and a big sort of announcement about you know what was the winner you know the number one bird spotted in the gardens this year so another sort of thing to look forward to in a few weeks time when that gets, gets released
0: i can't wait to take part so thank you so much
10: it's a really fun activity if you've, people have never done it before just have a go it's really really good
0: I don't have a particularly big garden. It's probably about three meters by four meters. Um, And some people will say, hey Hamza, at least you have a garden, I live in a flat. And yes, 100%, I'm really lucky to have this garden, but I've done something special with my garden. I have not cut the grass in four years. I've allowed it to grow wild. Now, the reason I've let my garden grow is I want it to be as wild as possible and to allow all the seeds to drop and germinate and grow into lovely wildflowers, which in turn attracts all the beautiful birds that I love. The RSPB Bird Count is an absolutely fantastic way to get kids involved. It's only one hour, and for people who say kids have a short attention span, you can just about stretch them to an hour and keep their concentration if you make it fun. So you can get binoculars out, and if you don't have binoculars, you can make it interesting for kids. All you need is two bits of the cardboard that you get once loo rolls finished and you duct tape those together and you use them as binoculars for me that was a great way to pretend that I had binoculars when I was a kid so you can easily do that and get the kids involved and once they see a bird if you the adult know what it is you can say what it is over time the kids will pick up this information from you and before you know it they'll be calling out the birds before you even see them Having the kids outdoors is a beautiful thing. It gets them engaged with Mother Nature. And I've got a little quote which goes along the lines of, If you give children the chance to fall in love with Mother Nature, they will make this world a better place. Actor Samuel West from All Creatures Great and Small is a keen birder and a longtime friend of Get Birding.
1: The Big Garden Birdwatch actually began in 1979 as a children's project for the Young Ornithologists Club. I don't mind their new name of wildlife explorers, but personally I was always more excited to be a young ornithologist. It felt more important. That first edition produced 34,000 responses. Last year, more than a million people took part, adults included. In 1979, there wasn't much concern about a fall in garden bird numbers. Nowadays, the figures the birdwatch turns up, with a few rare exceptions like goldfinch and magpie, tell a story of decline. But we've got no hope of reversing that decline unless the next generation is interested. So I took my four-year-old daughter out to our little North London garden, hot drinks in hand, to see if we could identify any birds. Binoculars can be useful for the big garden birdwatch, but as I hope to prove to her, you can also have a good time telling what things are just using your ears. The circular saw stock. Are you
2: guys having hot chocolate? Mm-hmm. How nice. How we're we? listening
8: to the
1: bird. Oh, listen. Look up there. Can you hear that little tsch?
6: It's on tree.
1: Do you know that bird? Go on.
2: It has. The top of its head is red and its tummy is green. <laughs> is it
1: that? No, oh. it isn't that. Can we have, look? have another look. Can you see how long its tail is?
2: A long tail!
1: A long tail tip, that's right.
2: A long tail? Now listen, it...
1: because they almost never go by themselves so there'll be another one. There's another one just above us. Look. Can you hear that... that tinkling sound in the background? That's a goldfinch, and just over the top then was a quite a little sad song. Do you know what the sad song was? Robin! That's right. Three to four second bursts of clear-toned warbling.
2: And mommy, We... The best hot
1: chocolate. Did you? Come and listen here. Because there's a good flock over here. Listen. Wait until that (laughs) motorbike's gone. Can you hear that tinkling? That's it. That little. Whitwit, whitwit. Whitwit. Whitwit, whitwit. Can you hear them bubbling away?
2: Mm -hmm. Whitwit, whitwit, whitwit. Birds have ears, remember we have to be
1: quiet. So that bubbling song over there is the goldfinch. Uh. And occasionally it goes wee, 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 just like that. And that sipping sound is you with your chocolate. <laughs> Can you hear that? I'm not your pigeon. I'm not your pigeon.
2: What pigeon? Pigeons can't talk, so they can't actually say, I'm not your pigeon. They just go like this. That's the one.
0: I love the idea that pigeons are singing, I'm not your pigeon. It reminds me of the yellowhammer singing, little bit of bread, no cheese. A great way to remember bird songs. Thank you so much, Samuel, and to his daughter for sharing their bird watching experiences with us. Now we've asked listeners to tell us all about the birds that they see in their area. And first up,
5: we've got Owen. We get lots of sparrows. We get the dunnocks, blue tits and the robins. We've always got chaffinches under the willow tree. We've also got a huge number of collared doves that are coming in at the moment. Such little characters. We've also got a couple of jays. They've been coming in every day for the last few months, eating all of our peanuts. So we're hoping they're going to turn up on the day and I can add them to our list for the first time. I hope everybody enjoys the Big Garden Bird Watch and I want to say thank you to the Get Birding pod. It's kept us going through lockdown. We've really enjoyed it. Thanks. Good luck, everyone.
11: Hi I'm Scott and I'm from Nottinghamshire for this year's Big Garden Bird Watch. I'm on paternity for the arrival of my second child. So we're all off together and going to take part as a family. My soon to be five year old will be taking part too so I'm sure she'll get excited about that in the coming days. We've taken all the bird feeders down, given them a good clean and filled them back up. The bird baths nice and clean and topped up and we'll be keeping it topped up for any birds that want to come down and have a bathe. And there's lots of berries on the shrubs in our garden as well. So we'll be keeping an eye out for any blackbirds or thrushes that want to visit during the during the bird watch. But whether we get one wood or 20 goldfinches, we'll make sure we report our findings and sightings to the RSPB because good or bad, it gives them an insight into the numbers and trends of our garden birds. Thanks.
8: Hello, Get Birding Pods. This is Rachel, and I'm Hope, and we're bird watching in our garden in Northwest Surrey. And why are we excited about the garden bird watch, Hope? Because we can. It's something we can do as a family. It is something we can do as a family, and it's something we've done for the last two or three years together. Mm-hmm. I've done it a bit longer than that, but now you're quite happy to sit with me for an hour and look at the birds, aren't you? Yes. Excellent. Who do you think we're going to see?
2: Mr
8: Sparrowhawk. Ah, yes, Mr Sparrowhawk. He's become a bit of a regular visitor and he's been scaring away.
2: Our little birdies because he's very hungry. He
8: is hungry because it's winter, isn't he? And we haven't been out in the garden much, so uh, he's become very bold and he's been eating all our little birds we can see him right now we can see him right now and we can't see any other birds in the garden can we no never mind we're hoping when we do our hour of the bird watch we will pick an hour that he has gone off into the woods for a little break and who do you think we'll see when he goes
2: wood pigeon magpie great tit cold tit because he's our favorite he
8: is our favorite
2: great spotted woodpecker. But we call him Woody P. Woody pee. Chaffinch, Wren, Jackdaws.
8: Yeah, they're our most common visitors, aren't they? Mm.
2: What do you think and we might
8: Oh, and Blue Tit. We forgot Blue Tit. <laughs> what do you think we might need to keep us going during the bird watch? A
2: cake to keep us going. A
8: cake to keep us going. Are you going to help me bake that on Friday night? Yep. Excellent. And we're also
2: going to need binoculars to get a really good view of our little birdies. Hopefully not Mr (laughs) Sparrowhawk.
8: Not just Mr Sparrowhawk. And what else will we need? A
2: pen and paper to write them down.
8: Ah, to write down all the birds that we see. That's brilliant. And what will we do to make sure we get as many birds as possible?
2: Put their favourite food out.
8: And what's their favourite food?
2: Peanuts, sunflower hearts, fat balls and mealworms, niger seeds... And make sure the bird bath isn't frozen
8: over. That's a good So they can point. Get,
2: uh, have a good drink.
8: Great idea. Excellent. Well, we hope everyone else enjoys the Big Garden Bird Watch, because we will, won't we? Yes. Excellent. Bye, everyone. Bye. Have a good bird watch.
0: You too, Hope. It's absolutely wonderful to hear the different birds that you guys are finding in your local green spaces. One of the best things about taking part in the Big Garden Birdwatch weekend is that it gives you the chance to get your outdoor space ready to attract as many birds as possible. So how can you do that, I hear you ask? Here are birdwatching fans Dr Amir Khan and Susan Kalman with their tips.
3: We just bought quite a lot of different types of feeders and food and experimented because it, it can sometimes take a while for the birds to find you and so in different places in a city or 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 in the countryside you'll get different birds so to just be patient i think it's not Mm -hmm. something that as soon as you put a feeder out you'll get flocks and flocks of birds coming so be patient try different things and see what they like and see what comes into the garden and enjoy the process don't be frustrated if you don't have lots of birds i find it hugely relaxing especially in a time that's quite stressful to just sit with a cup of tea and see what comes into the garden it's it's a really beautiful relaxing thing to do
4: it's not just what you put in and we'll talk about what we put in but it's also where you put your feeder as well Uh, so what I've noticed certainly about the birds that visit my garden is that they like to feel safe and so they perch in trees or hedgerows before uh, coming out to the feeder they like to assess the situation and i think if you've got your feeder in the middle of the garden because it's a you know that's the, the place you want it because you can see it beautifully from your kitchen and you're not attracting the birds it's because there's there's nowhere for them to kind of dart into if they need to go for safety often what birds do is particularly blue tits and great tits they They take a seed and then they fly off into the bush and eat it there. So the positioning of your feeders are really important. Make sure they're they're, they're somewhere where birds can assess situations and if needed, take a takeaway from your garden and eat it somewhere else. The one winner, that's the universal across all of those birds really, are sunflower hearts. And it's it's quite entertaining to watch because they, even though I've got loads of feeders, the birds still fight over them and uh, kind of push each other off. We have uh, mealworms, which we put out in, in feeders, which were original the, the wire, the metal wire feeders that are originally for peanuts. I now fill with mealworms because, um, again, great tits and blue tits and uh, coal tits love love them. They they come and kind of prize each worm out and then take it away. Uh, and starlings, particularly because we've had a lot of snow up here in, in Yorkshire, uh, when it's when it's been snowing heavily, the starlings come and, and really they make a racket and then they love mealworms and every springtime they bring their babies and and you can't you literally can't see the feeders for the for the number of starlings we we get in the springtime uh i I do have a peanut feeder as well because the woodpecker that's the only thing that, that that woodpecker will eat uh and i've got niger seeds uh goldfinches love niger seeds and when you're out in nature, when you're looking at birds, when you're looking at any kind of green spaces, your blood pressure drops and your heart rate drops and you feel really zen again. And I talk about the effects of nature on mental health, how it actually improves your mood. But the, the lovely thing about birds is they will come to you and you just got to feed them uh, and look out the window and they will be there. But I think birds is a quick fix when it comes to, uh, to nature therapy.
0: Thank you so much, Susan and Amir. Now, I'm all for encouraging young people to be out in nature. What's the best way of encouraging them? I asked Chris Packham. We have inherited this amazing love of nature from people like you, you, Sir David Attenborough, Michaela Strachan, Yolo Williams. But how do we get the next generation involved? Because at the end of the day, they're the ones who are going to take on the baton and look after Mother Nature. Well,
9: it's interesting that all the people you named there, um, so I'm over 60, Michaela's in her 50s, so is Yolo. David is obviously in his his 90s. He's the elder uh, statesman. Yeah. Where are the young people? You know, when I started doing Really Wild Show back in the 1980s, I I was 25, 26 years old. Um, We now have a... A wealth of extremely talented um, young naturalists who are equally becoming good broadcasters too and these people are not yes. 25 26 they're younger they're some of them are the, the, in their early teens you know and, and yeah. they are passionate knowledgeable and capable when it comes to communicating because the, the world's moved on they use social media now as a as a platform which we didn't have when we were kids it, it's implicitly yes. important that we give these young people a profile and a voice because, you know, I would rather listen, if I was a young person, I would rather listen to other young people than custy old fogies like myself. So, because I think only by giving them that voice will we get other young people to engage with this, with this topic. It's really important.
0: One young naturalist that's making a name for himself is 16-year-old Indy Kimmel Green from Sherwood Forest. He's in the RSPB Youth Council, and I asked him for his top tips on getting into birding.
7: I think every every young child has that sense of curiosity, especially about the natural world, which I think we are all sort of intrinsically connected with in one way or another, because um, yes. we are part of it, whether we think that or not. Um, Absolutely. So I think definitely just 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 go for it. Just either like have a little wild patch in your garden, which so good for species like goldfinches if you get some thistles in there they'll pluck out the thistle heads and uh, yeah. yeah and obviously feeders are a good way ponds are a good way because obviously need water to bathe in as well as to drink from and then ponds can benefit a an array of other species um yeah so yeah i definitely just just go for it there's nothing embarrassing about being interested in nature which i think is a thing that i know i face that in school I know I was yep. kept getting told that I was the completely uncool nerd who was just into everything and rolling around on the ground and um, doing all that. And, and look at you now! Look at you now! <laughs> and now all my friends, who, who were at school saying that stuff, I'm really good friends with now, and they're all doing like really cool wildlife courses. Um, yeah. So I feel like that's um, that has definitely flipped around a lot, which is cool because it is
0: one of the coolest things ever.
7: So go for it! Yeah, there's, there's nothing to stop you.
0: Good. Now, where are you going to do your garden birdwatch
7: count? Yeah, I usually go wherever I can see a goshawk. Um so I might go to Sherwood Forest for that. Now what do you like the most about it? I remember doing it uh last year and it was just peaceful and so nice and relaxing and just um because obviously we all know that nature massively benefits people's mental health and obviously if you're sort of taking notes in it and really paying attention um yeah. so not, not just the final details of the birds but also how many are in front of you. It just distracts your mind and that's what I really needed. Absolutely. It was a good distraction and it was I just like how it's it just takes away any stresses daily life, really relaxing thing to do.
0: Indy grew up in the country, but my next guest, home turf, is in the inner city London.
12: Hi, I'm Cosilla and I live
0: in New Cross. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do?
12: What I do is I'm on like a quest of trying to engage more inner city people to connect with the natural world around them. And this kind of came off the back of me traveling to the Peruvian Amazon back in 2018 with the British Exploring Society, which was a life-changing experience for me. And essentially, when I came back, I wanted to try to see if I could then kind of give that same experience I had to others. Yeah. uh, And not necessarily making them feel like they need to go to the Amazon to experience that, but understanding that nature is on their doorstep. Essentially, I'd say like prior to that expedition that I went on, um, I had quite a chaotic life and experienced a lot of Mm -hmm. trauma. Um, so, So I had a lot of like challenges that I faced growing up and my mindset wasn't at all anything to do with nature or the outdoors. That's not Mm -hmm. something I engaged with in the way of which I do now. So when I went on the expedition, I felt like a sense of healing and understanding of how deep rooted and the importance of being out in nature is. Then kind of felt like, yeah, when I come back, I want to give back to my community. I want more people to feel this thing that I'm feeling because this thing is deep.
0: What are you doing at the moment with youth to get them to have that same experience that you you had in the Peruvian Amazon?
12: So currently, um, I've been releasing an online series, which is actually on YouTube. And in my series, the videos explores different ways of which you could connect with nature. Yeah. Um, and also I have guests as well that speak on their own experiences. So nice. it's like an information sharing in terms of, that starter pack of getting into nature and getting outdoors and exploring something that might be outside of your comfort zone, enabling, like, especially people from my community to understand that the outdoors is a space for them also. It's mm. not an exclusive space and nature's everywhere. It's so, on so. your doorstep.
0: Yeah. That's <laughs> a really good point that you say that nature is for everyone, it's inclusivity. Mm. What made you think that you had to say that?
12: On the outside, it does look like it's exclusive and it's not for people like me. I'm, right. I'm actually Pakistani and Jamaican. So, okay. uh, so I'm South Asian and I'm Caribbean. So I've grown up with two different heritages.
0: So do you feel that it's a, it's a cultural hurdle that you have to get over? Or is it a financial hurdle? Or is it like where you live as a hurdle?
12: Finance. Finance can mm-hmm. be one of the big ones as well, especially for, like, inner-city children that come from low-income families. Um, mm-hmm. Adventure and outdoors, camping, et cetera. is not something that is on the bucket list kind of thing. Right. It's, not, it's not a priority, I'd say, yeah. because there's yeah. other things to think about, like food <laughs> and just right. general survival and racism and stuff right. like that, that which yeah. is, like within the daily thought patterns of people coming from my community. Not being able to see themselves in this kind of industry or within this space.
0: So what you're saying is you need a role model. You need someone that you can see in that position to kind of give everyone a little bit of hope to then, I can do something like that.
12: Definitely. And, and, and what, from my work that i am even been doing, I've been noticing that I am actually becoming that role model. When I was younger, I didn't have that. So being right. able to being able to be that for someone else, and how I even I'd say I'd do it is just by leading by example. Like right.
0: it's
12: me actually doing this stuff and see and showing that it is like something that you can do also, which I find important. Doing something like connecting with nature.
0: This particular episode of Get Birding, we're looking at how people get into birds and more importantly. The RSBB Big Garden Bird Watch. Now, we're going to be counting birds, but let me start off by asking Are you into birds? Are you a birder yourself?
12: So, I've recently become like such a birder, like I'm bird gang right now. Like, okay, <laughs> I actually last week um, started a, a bird ID kind of course, yeah, um, okay. raptors. So I've done one session already And tomorrow I'm actually doing my second session Which I'm excited about I did the homework I've never done homework so quickly
0: Now, do you feel like birds have become part of How you discover the inner city?
12: Definitely I haven't necessarily seen raptures though
0: Um,
12: I haven't got the chance to see raptures But I see a lot of other birds For instance, magpies, crows Yeah. Uh, The green parakeets are quite popular um, robins, um, yep. so yeah, that's some of the birds that I see. Goals, these are like the typical birds that I see like, generally.
0: This weekend coming up, we're going to be doing the Big Garden Birdwatch weekend and we would like you to take part, would you be happy?
12: Definitely, I'd be up for that, I'd definitely yeah. be up
0: for that. What if you're in a flat and you want to take part, what can you do then?
12: Um, You can, you can go outside. Okay. Um, or if you want to stay inside your house, like yeah. I live in a flat as well.
0: Yeah.
12: Just, um, just perch yourself at a window, and yeah, like get you can just be here at the window. Got your little drink, maybe yep. some snacks. Yeah. Uh, keep yourself um content at the window. Yeah. Just, yeah, like even I'd say as well. For me, it's very important to tap into all your senses. I think I'm absolutely. So it a few Times. So even absolutely. if you're at a window. At the same time, so you can hear the sounds of your surroundings as well, will be top notch as well. The experience will be even better because you're not only looking out and exploring with your eyes, but you're listening to your surroundings.
0: Ah, isn't it just wonderful to hear Kwasia talking. It's lovely to get someone from the inner city who is, I want to say, new into their nature quest and falling in love with Mother Nature. But... That was just wonderful to see the excitement that she has, the enthusiasm. It makes me hopeful for the future. You can find out more about Kwasia's work at citygirlinnature.com. Access to nature for everyone is something that Chris Backham feels strongly about. We have been very poor in
9: the environmental sector, the nature conservation sector, when it comes to engaging right across the spectrum of society in the UK. And I think one of the ways that we can address that is certainly with young people in schools, because if we just engage, and I'll be frank about it, white middle class kids, um, we're not going to achieve our objective.
0: I'm really glad that you said this because I'd like to build on this a little bit because diversity in, uh, in nature and their stats are pretty terrible when it comes to ethnic diversity.
9: Frankly, as we know across the spectrum of our problems, we will not address them adequately unless we have equality. And, and equality, when it comes to a, certainly when it comes to addressing environmental issues, very significant environmental issues, is of paramount concern. And I think that how can we ask for equality if, a, if if huge sections of our society are not reaping the benefits of a connection with nature because we haven't made that possible for them? Now, a study was done uh, during lockdown, in fact which showed that a disproportionate number of black people living in London, where the study was conducted, didn't have access to a garden. So that's racial inequality in terms of access to immediate green space, i.e. a garden. And that doesn't mean that they didn't have access to to parks and and, and nearby green spaces, maybe even nature reserves. And I'm afraid, I think, that as ever, you know, human species is a remarkably adaptive and sometimes intelligent organism. But it does seem to be... um, rather predatory when it comes to differences and intolerant of those. And we must push that to one side and make sure that we generate, as I say, real opportunities for people from every aspect of society.
0: Less than 1% of people working in nature are of colour, which is shocking. How can careers in wildlife be more diverse?
9: Why is it just one percent? I mean, I'm always for finding out the reasons for things. I mean, I like science because it, it you know, once we understand a problem, we're in a better position yeah. to address it. So the first thing is, let's throw some effort, energy, and some cash at finding yes. out why only one percent, the shameful total of only one percent of people are, are, of color, you know, are, are working in the conservation sector. There's got to be a reason for that, and once we understand yeah. that reason completely, we must go at it. Immediately yes. to, to, to address it
0: Could it be that they don't have role models They don't see themselves in a role model That's higher up than them
9: Yeah, very, very, very definitely. I think that's definitely the case because we we do look at people and aspire to emulate their skills and their talents and and their abilities, and I think that that's very much part and parcel of of, of that case. And that's why, again, we must immediately generate opportunities for those role models to develop their skill, develop their platforms and find their place in that community so that other people can look up to them. It's absolutely essential.
0: Perfect. Chris Beckham, thank you so much for giving us the time out of your busy day. And I hope that we get the chance to meet one day finally.
9: Yeah, I hope so. And and let's keep that flag flying to make sure that we increase diversity in in nature as quickly as possible. It's I say, I'm 60 years old. I'm ashamed of the fact that we haven't addressed this with the fortitude that we needed to. Yep. Um, I think the world would be a, a very much better place if we had a lot more people from a lot more backgrounds out there birding. And I hope this weekend will bring a few more into the fold.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. So good to hear Chris Backham talking about diversity in nature and how important it is. Now, one of my favourite sounds to hear from my garden is the oyster catcher. I often call them beady beadies. They sound like they're saying beady 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 beady, beady beady beadies. Black and white bird with a strikingly orange bill that it pokes into the ground trying to find little bugs and worms and grubs to eat. We asked some of our favourite musicians who are inspired by nature for their dream bird-watching playlist.
5: I'm Sam Lee. I'm a folk singer and author and creator of the event singing with Nightingales. My relationship with birds has not been the kind of classic ornithological route. It's very much been through a a, a very uh, lifelong love of, of nature as a whole, but also coming to bird song particularly through the, uh, the narratives within folk songs and actually how those old songs carry a very ancient love and appreciation and recognition of bird life in all, all its forms and ways uh, and messages. I... Birds I always think of as decorators of silence, you know, particularly the nightingale, which is my favourite bird. And uh, and one of the things that can be really hard, is going from like TV, radio, on looking at your mobile phone, it headphones in ears try and do a little bit of a detox so that you go into a kind of like you know starve yourself so that when you go and listen to the birds in your garden they really like that is your you're tuning into their radio station and you're not got like white noise on beforehand so I think that's a first really important thing to recommend but I also think that, you know, maybe like the night before, it'd be really good to get some um, some music in that like kind of really captures birds. Actually, one of the, the really fun ones, which I'm, I'm going to blow my own trumpet because I made it with the RSPB. We put together Let Nature Sing, which got to number 18 in the chart. So it's, you know, it's got to be all right. And it's made purely out of, many of the red list uh, endangered species and favourite ones um, in this kind of two and a half minute journey through birdsong. Going and listening to songs like Lovely Molly or The Pleasant Month of May or The Tanyard Side, they're songs that really speak with a love of birdsong, which is so unscientific. It's so innocent, but it's also so rich in the notion that those singers who've sung those songs for hundreds of years, every generation who's passed that song on through the oral tradition, in the same way that birds pass their song on, they have, each person has had a really deep connection with turtle dove or with song thrush or blackbird. And they know those birds. And when they sing about them, it's devotional. It's almost sacred. There's a song called The Tanyard Side, Um where the nightingale um, sings so audibly in sympathy and relationship with this song and it's the most incredible, one of the most incredible moments for me remembering those bits of dark night in the spring when the nightingales just sing along with your song.
13: Hi, this is Simon Emerson from the Afro-Celt Sound System. Every year I take part in the Big Garden Birdwatch Weekend. Birdwatching has been my passion ever since I was a kid when I started birdwatching on Wimbledon Common with the Young Ornithological Club. Back then that was the youth branch of the Royal Society for Protection of Birds. I moved from Hackney, East London over 15 years ago to live in West Dorset and have seen a whole range of birds in my garden, uh, in the garden itself or flying overhead. I've had a few real rarities like whorefinch, cattle egret and honey buzzards. But hey, when I lived on the council estate in Kings Cross, I woke up one morning to see perched on my balcony a black red start. And during the spring migration, I had an osprey flying overhead heading north so it really doesn't matter where you live if it's an urban or rural garden you can be a great bird watcher anywhere as a musician and composer i've made a special mix for you of the music that inspires me this will be streamed on the folk radio site to coincide with the big garden birdwatch. So, as a soundtrack to the weekend, go and check out the tunes me and my musicians' friends have made that have been inspired by birdsong and the sounds of nature. Have a truly great big garden birdwatch weekend and happy birdwatching to you all.
0: Hello, my name is Jason Singh. I'm a nature beatboxer, sound artist, and DJ. What music really gets me in the mood for nature is the music of nature itself. I love listening to birdsong, the wind, the sea, and even the sounds of the city. It literally feels like music to me. I've made a special playlist inspired by the sounds of nature. You can hear it on Spotify by searching Nature Nature. I hope you enjoy it.
7: Hi, it's Martin Noble from the band Sea Power. My recommended track for you is Backyards by Broken Social Scene. It's not a song specifically about nature, but it's a really lovely, breezy, laid back song with lots of strange electric animal noise sounds in there. And the chorus has the refrain, We lost our lives in backyards, and I hope you all do the same this weekend. My tip for the weekend is just to have a really good look at the birds and try and identify all the different parts. Just take your time over it, get to know them. It'll really help when trying to tell the difference between some of the similar looking birds and also help tell if it's a male, a female or a juvenile. Have fun everyone.
0: Last, but certainly not least, here's the singer, Edwin Collins and his wife, Grace. So,
6: Edwin, you've always been into birds, haven't you?
0: Yes. I I was a
1: small uh, boy in uh, Edinburgh and uh, I liked uh, the birds.
6: Yeah, in Dundee, but the place that you really could see so many garden birds, birds of prey... Sea birds. It's
7: Helmsdale.
6: Helmsdale, and now we live in Helmsdale. Yes. What do we see from our window on the feeders? Oh, uh, siskins,
1: Er, uh, uh, bramblings sometimes, <laughs> yeah. uh, blackcaps sometimes, yeah. uh, small birds,
6: goldfinches.
1: Gold pigeons. We see
6: heaps of them, don't yeah, yeah, we, at uh, times of year? Yeah, yeah. Uh, at least, uh, oh... It's about eight of them at one uh, point, oh, was not it? Yeah, uh, eight and the, of them. It's incredible, beautiful. Yeah. just a huge variety of them, and we sometimes we get pheasants marching down the lane. Yes. And what was it yeah. I saw up the back garden that had come out of the trees? And I thought it was maybe... Because I don't know anything. It had a long beak and it was it was a wood
4: oh a no,
6: cock a woodcock yes i mean and another bird that i'd never seen um before and i, and I thought it was a curlew but you said it was well, a wimble a wimble a <laughs> god a wimble i mean it's in the seabirds but... no it's it's in the e9 the wimble in the
1: winter time they come in to uh, pack
6: up the uh, on the field, uh-huh. the uh, seeds. The seeds, right? I see. I see. It's just a huge bounty of them. And then on the cliffs, there's a huge, just everything. But what's yeah. our favourite? When we go up to Berrydale or or up to the Falugo Steps, who do we love watching endlessly?
7: Yeah.
6: What's our favourite?
7: The poor oh. mars. The
6: poor mars. What do you see about them Edwin? there it's a sign for flight That's a sign for flight brilliant
0: thank you so much edwin and grace i love being outdoors and exploring around my home patch and seeing what i can find swarovski prime optics can really enhance your birding experience bringing you even closer to nature The Big Garden Birdwatch Weekend is a fantastic opportunity to get outdoors and experience the nature that's on your doorstep. And it's easy to get involved. All you have to do is register online on the RSBB website at rsbb.org.uk. Check out their free guide that will help you identify the birds in your garden. And don't forget to share your stories from the Big Garden Birdwatch Weekend on our social media. Just search for Get Birding. I want to take this time to thank everyone who took part in the special edition of our podcast. I'll be back with a new series of Get Birding later in the year. I hope you can join us then. In the meantime, I hope you all have a brilliant Big Garden Birdwatch weekend and have lots of fun. From Get Birding, Hamzi Asin, over and out. Get Birding is produced by Jill Davis. It's a Peanut and Crumb production sponsored by Swarovski Optic.